Jeremiah chapter 38, verse 1. Now, I'm about to butcher up these names. I'm good at doing that, but they don't matter because they're evil men. So, <laughs> I don't really care if I butcher these, names, these guys' names up. Verse 1, Then Shephatiah, the son of Matan, and Gedaliah, the son of Pasher, and Jukal, the son of Shelemiah, and Pasher, the son of Malachiah, heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken unto all the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, He that remaineth in this city shall die by the sword, by the famine, and by the pestilence, but he that goeth forth to the Chaldeans shall live. For he shall live his life for he shall have his life for a prey and shall live. Verse three Thus saith the Lord This city shall surely be given unto the hand of the king of Babylon's army, which shall take it. This morning I want to preach on God's words from God's preacher. God's words from God's preacher. So I want to show you this morning that God has words, and he has preachers that preach these words. That's something we kind of forget. We're about to go into this jubilee, and I'm bringing in four different preachers, and every one of these four different preachers, they're unique in their own way. Some of them are a little louder than others. Some of them are are kind of quieter. But they all have something they're doing. They're all preaching God's words. And God has raised them up to preach God's words. See, look at the verse 1. It said, they heard the words that Jeremiah had spoken. This wasn't Jeremiah's philosophy, Jeremiah's ideas. This wasn't some kind of philosophy or idea that Jeremiah had. The Bible says it was the words that Jeremiah said. So Jeremiah was getting up and he was speaking these words. And what was the words he was speaking? Verse 2, thus saith the Lord. He's speaking for the Lord. The Lord's using him. The Lord's speaking through him. He's just speaking God's words. Any good, godly preacher is going to have a Bible, and what he's doing is he's preaching God's words out of this Bible. That's what a good preacher does. A good preacher gets up, he opens up a Bible, and he preaches out of a Bible. And if he's preaching the right Bible, it's going to be a King James Bible. God's words. But anybody with any kind of salt is going to preach God's words. There was a man, he was running, First Baptist Coleman. First Baptist Coleman is a preacher over there, and they were telling me this, all this stuff on this guy, and they said this guy would get up on a continuous basis and never open up his Bible and never mention Scripture and do Sunday services like that. And they would, he'd be on the radio and they'd hear him doing this. this is, that's nonsense. We don't want to hear what you have to say. We want to hear what God has to say. So these are God's words from God's preacher. And we got to see when God's preacher gets up, God's words are being spoken. God moves and the Holy Spirit will move. I was saved because God's words were being preached by God's preacher. That's how this this right here, this guy right here got saved. I got saved because a preacher got up. Preach God's words. I heard him preaching God's words. God's words convicted me. I knew I was a sinner because he told me what God said to me. I come down an aisle and I got saved. It's just as simple as that. And I'm thankful for God's preachers. I'm thankful that God's raised up preachers that preach his words. But his words are in this book. It's not some philosopher he has or some idea he has or some kind of funny saying he has. We're all good at telling jokes and stuff like that. I want to hear a preacher preach God's words. That's what a real preacher does. So we're talking about God's words from God's preachers. So these guys get up and they're complaining about Jeremiah because he's given some really bad news. Look at verse 4. Therefore the princess said unto the king, We beseech thee, let this man be put to death. 
For thus he weakeneth the hands of the men of war that remain in this city, and the hands of all the people, in speaking such words unto them. For this man seeketh not the welfare of this people, but the hurt. They don't like the words that Jeremiah is preaching, and they're God's words. They want to kill him for that. You understand, they want to kill Jeremiah for simply repeating what God told him to repeat. They want to kill him for that. They don't believe in free speech. See, they don't, it says, in speaking such, all, he, all Jeremiah's doing is speaking words. I thought it was sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. I thought that's the saying that the world has. It's just words. Why are they so mad? He's just speaking words, but they hate him for it. They hate him enough for the words he's speaking, they want to kill him. When you're giving out God's words, it's not always popular. Amen. I mean, it's not popular. Some of the things that God gets, gives you to preach, that God gives you out of his Bible, is not popular. <laughs> it, 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 it's not popular at all. And there's a rejection of that. People resent that. And it's not popular. And some people get really, really mad when you're just simply preaching God's word. So much so that they want to kill him. They want to kill him because what he's preaching is not popular. It says, they seeketh not the welfare of this people, but the hurt. They think you're out to get them. I know some of y'all think that sometimes. <laughs> You hear preachers get up, you maybe hear me get up here preaching, and sometimes you think, man, he's out to get me. And I know some of y'all have, uh, have caught me outside the back of the church, I'm thinking, re- getting ready to get stabbed or beat up or something like that, and I'll say, you were fo- it feels like you were following me all week long, some of the things you said. Well, you know I wasn't following you. Amen, I wasn't following you. <laughs> I don't care what you're doing all week long. I didn't see you come out of the beer joint. That's between you and the Lord, amen. <laughs> I didn't follow you, but I know somebody who did. The Holy Spirit. Amen. See, in the Holy Spirit, He speaks to your heart. Because some of y'all say, I heard you say this, that, and another. I didn't say that. And I'll get on, I've got this recorded. I got, we're putting this up on the radio, the radio ministry. I didn't say that. You know who said that? The Lord said that to you while you were sitting in that pew. <laughs> he said something to you, and I didn't say that. But the Lord spoke to your heart about something. That's the way, the, the, that's the way God's words work when they're being preached from God's preacher. Amen. And y'all are all God's preachers. Believe it or not, anybody who's holding up a sign that has God's words on it or anybody who's quoting God's words out of the Bible, you're a preacher for God. You are a preacher for God. You're preaching God's words. And they're not always popular. Look at verse 5. Look at verse 5. Let's move on. Then Zedekiah the king said, Behold, he's in your hand. King is not he that can do anything against you. Well, that's a liar. He said, I'm the king, and I can't stop you from throwing him in the prison. Yes, you can. You're the king, amen. <laughs> You're a liar. He's afraid of the people. He don't want to cause no trouble. He, he's just trying to back off. He's trying to just appease the people, and he knows that nobody likes what Jeremiah is saying. Why do they not like Jeremiah, what Jeremiah is saying? Jeremiah is simply saying this. God's going to bring Babylon in here. There's no doubt about it. And if you'll throw down your sword and walk out those gates, God will spare you. But if you try to fight, if you try to stand up and fight against Babylon against uh, Nebuchadnezzar and Babylon, he's going to, God said, I'm going to kill you. And you're all going to die. See, that's not very popular. He's basically, Jeremiah's getting up and saying, hey guys, we don't stand a chance to surrender. And we know how we are. We don't want to surrender. We want to fight. And there's times God says, surrender. And we're fighting and fighting, and God says, surrender. You're trying to fight that sin. You're trying to fight that sin all by yourself. You're trying to fight that sin. You know, I'm a tough enough. I'm man enough. And God says, surrender. You just need to stop and surrender. Let me do it for you. Let me win it for you. Just surrender. But we're so prideful. We want to do it all ourselves. 
And Jeremiah's preaching something that's not popular whatsoever. It's God's words from God's preacher. It's not popular. And this king here is a liar because he says he can't do anything about it. And he can do something about it. We're going to find, about, find out in a minute he does do something about it. So verse 6, Then took they Jeremiah and cast him into the dungeon of Malachi the son of Hamalek, that was in the court of the prison. And they let down Jeremiah with cords. And in the dungeon there was no water but mire. So Jeremiah sunk down, sunk in the mire. Jeremiah was putting in this prison, no water. He just sunk down with a mire, kind of a mud, and he just sinks down. And what a mess, man. Well, how miserable can you be? The only people that like, only people or person that would like that would be a pig. Amen. A pig would love being a mire. See, we're not pigs, we're sheep. A pig falls down in the mud, a pig just wiggles around and says, I'm going to make a home here. That's the world. When a sheep falls down in the mud, what does a sheep do? Bah, bah, it cries out for its master to come and get it up out of the mire, get it up out of the mud. Guys, we're not pigs, we're sheep. We need to stop living in the mud and wallowing around trying to make a, trying to make a home out of this world. There's nothing but a muddy pit for pigs. But poor Jeremiah was sent down and he sunk down into the mire with no water. I mean, can you imagine? That's what Jesus Christ had to deal with. Here's the man that could give living waters, had no water on the cross of Calvary. That's our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the persecution of God's preachers for preaching God's words. There's a persecution that comes when God's preachers preach God's words. Sometimes y'all give persecution. It's a look on your face. It's an it's a attitude towards the preacher. And I'm not trying to... Y'all are all so good to me. This is not towards me. But sometimes some of the preachers come through here and I, I can see... Y'all, y'all, some of y'all are like, he wasn't as good as somebody else. Or I didn't like him as good as somebody else. Hey, listen. If you're right with God, I don't care who it is that gets up here. If they're preaching God's words, you will get something out of it. And if you come up to me... I'll tell you what's going through my mind right now, straight out. If you come to me and say, well, I didn't really care much for him, I'll think in my heart, you're not right with God. <laughs> I won't tell you that because I love you. But I'll think that because I'll think, you know what, I got something out of it. I don't care who it is. They could be the most mealy-mouthed guy up here speaking quiet, but if you're ready to hear from God, God will speak to your heart. I've had guys get up there, and I didn't think they were real good preachers, but they get up there, and I'm thinking, well, this guy's not very good. And he gets to reading the Scripture, and God starts speaking to my heart. Man, hits me hard. I get to thinking about something, and I know that's the Holy Spirit moving. That guy don't even know what he's doing to me, amen? It's not preacher that's doing it. It's God's words. Get this. It's God's words. It's just God's preachers preaching God's words. they got to be God's words first. It makes him God's preacher because he is preaching God's words. You get that? But this guy gets thrown in the, Jeremiah gets thrown down in the prison. This happened, I'm going to read this little illustration. This is going to happen up here in America. It's coming. You know, we're about to, this is kind of a bad time for me to be reading this. We're about to go out and do street preaching on the corner. It's going to come a time where you'll get arrested for doing that. I'm going to read you a story. This happened over in England, over in London. This guy's name is Tony Miano, a retired deputy sheriff and former chaplain with the Los Angeles County Sheriff's Department, was charged with using homophobic speech that could cause people anxiety, distress, alarm, or insult. Miano had been preaching on a London street corner during the Wimbledon Tennis Championships with a ministry called Sports Fan Outreach International. These guys are street preachers, just like us. Go out on the street, try to preach God's word. He was preaching about immoral living and cited homosexuality as an example of lifestyle choices that are contrary to biblical teaching. I never used any gay slurs. 
You would never hear me using slang or discriminatory language against homosexuals or any other group. That would be contrary to my faith. Amen. He says, at some point, the evangelist quoted 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 1 and 2, a passage of scripture that mentions sexual immorality. He said, I talked about women addicted to romance novels, men addicted to pornography, people with lustful thoughts, heterosexual fornication, and homosexuality. He said, when I mentioned that the Bible was clear that homosexuality is a sin, and it is clear. If you, I don't care what Bible you have, it's clear that homosexuality is a sin. A lady walked by and she glared at me and hurled an F-bomb. Cussed him out. Miano said the woman came back a short time later, began to videotape his sidewalk sermon. Then she called the police. This is over in London. They were concerned about homophobic speech, but I told them I don't fear homosexuals. This is, his point is exactly my point. Why are you calling me a homophobe? Homophobe, phobia, you're afraid of homos, being afraid of somebody who's gay. I'm not afraid of somebody who's gay. Stop calling me a homophobe. I'm just telling you the truth of what it is. And that's what he's saying here. But I told them, I don't fear homosexuals. The language I used was not homophobic as I was not promoting fear or hatred of homosexuals. He says, Mayano said he did not limit his remarks to homosexual acts. I did not speak solely about homosexuality as a form of sexual immorality, but also, also about any kind of sex outside of marriage between one man and one woman, as well as lustful thoughts. All of these are considered mainstream Christian positions and have been taught and believed by Christians for thousands of years. Because we got a Bible that teaches us that. The police took the retired... De- this is a retired deputy sheriff, by the way, from Los Angeles. Took him to a nearby jail where he was fingerprinted. Officers also took a sample of his DNA and then he was interrogated. He said, it's very distressing to be, he says, very distressing to be arrested and interrogated for openly expressing my deeply held Christian beliefs. He says, I was made to feel that my thoughts could be held against me. The detective also asked me if I thought I was 100% right in what I had done. I said, yes. Amen. Amen. Now, but listen to this. This is the kicker, guys. This is the kicker right here. But what troubled Miano is the idea that a hypothetical situation could have been used against him in a court. He goes, I was actually going to be tried for how I thought. See, that's called, that's called not having the freedom of free speech, which we're losing in America. You can't say what you believe in America. Everybody's got to be politically correct. Everybody's got to use the right language. They change the language on you. If somebody from 1930 who's a good, outstanding Christian, was to be transported to the year 2017, and they said the, the word retard? Oh, oh, you can't use that word. Well, that's what they used back then. But see, that wasn't good enough. Now we don't say they're retarded. We say they're mentally challenged. And it's just, it's just a, we're just cleaning it up. It's no longer a dump ground. It's a, land, it's a sanitary landfill. I work at one, I know. This is the twist. This is what I want to read y'all. In an ironic twist, the officers made arrangements to provide the evangelist with a Bible to read in jail. <laughs> the same book that led to his arrest. So he gets thrown in jail, then they make sure he has a Bible while he's in jail. He said, the same book I read from in public, which resulted in my arrest, was now the same book the police was giving me, were giving me to provide me with comfort. That's the kind of hypocritical people we have in the world. And I'm not going to finish this off, but he goes on to say, it's coming. This guy's from Los Angeles. It's coming to America. 
That's what his point is. He goes, I got arrested. He goes, I got out. I think they finally let him out after about seven hours. They let him release. Yeah, after seven hours in jail, he was released. Without an apology, without an explanation, he was just released after seven hours. Guys, that's coming to America. We're like the Jeremiah's. We're going to preach God's words. We're just preaching God's words. We didn't say it. God said it. And we're going to get thrown in jail for it. It's coming. But guys, I got some good news for you. Look at verse 7. There's some people out there, and I hope you're one of them. They're going to stick their neck out for God's words and God's preachers. And this is one of my favorite. You know, I read, I, I've heard this story about Jeremiah being thrown in the miry pit and being thrown in the devil. I've heard this story. I've heard preachers preach this story. And, and maybe I was falling asleep in church, but I never noticed this part of this story. And when I was reading this through my daily Bible reading last year, I come across this and I thought, man, what a great man of God. This Ethiopian eunuch. This black slave. This black slave, if I could only be as brave as this black slave right here, you're about to read. This guy is brave. His name is Ebedimelech. Now, I made sure I could say his name right because he's my hero. Look what he does in verse 7. Now, when Ebedimelech, the Ethiopian, one of the eunuchs, which was in the king's house, this guy's a black slave, guys. Heard that they had put Jeremiah in the dungeon, the king then sitting in the gate of Benjamin. Ebedmelech went forth out of the king's house and spake to the king, saying, My lord the king, these men have done evil, and all that they have done to Jeremiah the prophet, whom they have cast into the dungeon, and he is like to die for hunger in the place where he is, for there is no more bread in the city. This guy sticks his neck out for God's words from God's preacher. This man, this black Ethiopian eunuch, this black slave, he goes to the king and says, King, you're doing something wrong when you threw Jeremiah into that dungeon. Do you understand what he's doing? At the very least, he should have been thrown in the dungeon with Jeremiah and probably more than likely had his head cut off. Because that's what they wanted to do with Jeremiah. They wanted to kill Jeremiah. This guy's a nobody. This guy has no standing. He's not a prophet of God. He's not the one preaching God's words. He just believes God's words coming from God's preacher. He just has his heart and the Holy Spirit speaking to him that that's a man of God preaching God's words and they're doing him wrong. So brave, with all the bravery, he stands up and says, you're wrong, king, for doing this. Man, can you that's bravery. It's amazing. What does the king do? Verse 10, Then the king commanded Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Take from hence thirty men with thee, and take up Jeremiah the prophet out of the dungeon before he die. The king agrees with him. But it took a man who had some bravery to show it to the king, say, Hey, king, you're doing something wrong here. We need to not do this. This is God's words coming from God's preacher. And the king agrees with him. And the king says, Get him out of there. Verse 11, So Ebed-Melech, took the men with him and went into the house of the king under the treasury and took thence old cast clouts and old rotten rags, let them down by cords unto the dungeon to Jeremiah. And Ebed-Melech, the Ethiopian, said unto Jeremiah, Hey, put now these old cast clouts and rotten rags under thine armholes, under the cords, and Jeremiah did so. So they drew up Jeremiah with the cords, with cords and took him up out of the dungeon, and Jeremiah remained in the court of the prison. So he goes and gets these old rags, 
and he makes a little, you've seen them in movies. He, makes, he takes these rags, he ties them together, and he lowers them down. He says, hey, put your arms underneath there. He gets his arms underneath there like that, and they lift him out. You know what those old rags speak of? In the Bible, old rags, dirty rags, is a sign of your righteousness in God's eyes. That's a sign of your righteousness in God's eyes. All our righteousness is filthy rags in the sight of God. So those old rags is a sign, is a type of your unrighteousness, your filthiness in God's eyes. You know what that speaks to? That speaks to even though we're sinners, amen. Thank you, Sister Martin. Even though we're sinners... Are we, are there no sinners on the side of my voice? Amen. Amen. Okay, I, I'm a sinner. I'm, I'm going to go ahead and say this for, just for testimony to y'all. I'm a dirty, rotten, filthy sinner. Amen. Even though we're sinners in God's eyes, we can still do something for God. Amen. Amen. That's what that speaks to. You might be sinning. You might have done something wrong yesterday. You might have done something wrong coming to this church. Guys, I don't care. God can still use you to get the glory. Hey, man, if you knew more about me, you know I shouldn't be up here right now. But God can still get the glory. If you're willing, God will use you. He uses filthy things to get the glory. That's how He gets the glory. You understand this? If He used somebody that was smart and intelligent and handsome and could really speak, where's the glory? That man could say, see how smart I am and how well I can speak. But when God takes somebody like me that can't speak, grew up with a speech problem, can't hardly speak English, Shouldn't be up here. You know who gets the glory? God. Because everybody stopped me and said, well, you did a good job. Well, it wasn't me. It was God. You know, I'm just some old trash man. God gets the glory. Using filthy rags. And that should speak to your heart. Verse 14. Let's see what Zedekiah does. Then Zedekiah the king sent and took Jeremiah the prophet unto him. Unto the third entry that is in the house of the Lord. Now, this will be the last time. The king's going to get to hear God's words from God's preacher. So Zedekiah, after this Ethiopian eunuch comes in and convinces the king he's done wrong, the king waster, he gets out, and then the king says, I want to hear from Jeremiah one last time. This is one last time. And this is the last time Jeremiah is going to get to preach to Zedekiah God's words. And he says, And the king said unto Jeremiah, I will ask thee a thing, hide nothing from me. Then Jeremiah said unto Zedekiah, If I declare it unto thee, will thou not surely put me to death? And if I give thee counsel, will thou not hearken unto me? Jeremiah says, Why am I going to talk to you? If I tell you what God says, you're going to kill me. And even if you you don't kill me, you're not going to do what God said. That's That's kind of what happens with some preachers. We get, these revival, we, get, we get these revivals going on and these preachers come in. And you know, see, y'all don't get to see everybody's faces from where you're sitting. You get this preacher that's poured his heart out in the Word of God trying to get the message for you. Maybe like Brother Chad Reese fly in from Michigan. Flies all the way from Michigan. Gets away from his wife, his beautiful wife, his beautiful kids. Leaves his home church. Flies up here. Not expecting any kind of money, spends all his time, all his money, gets up here, pours his heart out over the Word of God, gets up here to preach, looks out there, and there's people out there going, <laughs> looking at their fingernails, playing on their phone, <laughs> kind of get an attitude about it. And he still gets up here and preaches. Because he knows God's given me something to say, and I've got to say it. If they're going to hear it or not. 
But verse 16 is of Zedekiah, the king swears secretly unto Jeremiah, saying, As the Lord liveth that made us this soul, I will not put thee to death, neither will I give thee unto the hand of these men that seek thy life. He said, he said Zedekiah basically tells Jeremiah, Just tell me one more, just tell me. I promise you you're not going to die, just tell me. Now, he doesn't promise Jer- Jeremiah that he'll follow what he says. He just says, I won't get you killed. This, might be the, this is going to be the last time Zedekiah is going to hear these words of God's words from God's preacher. You might be in here this morning. And this might be the last time you're going to hear God's words from this preacher. I don't know. You might not live tomorrow. You might die tomorrow. I don't know. I've had a lot of people I know died at a very young age from weird stuff, shotgun blasts, car wrecks, heart attacks. You know, I preached a funeral there in Brownwood, and I preached this, and that was the most ungodly. It's the worst funeral i ever done. I did it because I love the family, but they're all ungodly. All ungodly. And I got done with that funeral, and they were, half of them were laughing at me, half of them were making fun of me, and all of them they're laughing and everything. And one of the, the uncle, I was preaching it because I loved the man that I buried, even though he wasn't a very Christian man. And I was just doing the right thing, trying to do it for the family, because I was a lifelong friends with the family, and they're all laughing and joking and making a big deal about it. And it was the very next day that the son died of a heart attack. Just boom. Just a couple years older than me. I got the call. Did you hear about what happened? What, what are you talking about? He just died of a heart attack. Healthy as can be, I was talking to him. That was the last time he heard God's words. Because nobody else got up there talking about God's words. These guys were getting up going, I'm a Democrat. <laughs> talking about politics and this, that, and another. And I was the only one that got up and said, Jesus Christ will save you from your sin. Amen. I was just trying to preach God's words. It's fumbling around, not doing a good job, but he got to hear them. Amen. You might not... Die tomorrow. You might live to be 100 years old. I don't know what the Lord's got planned for you. But I will tell you this. Without Jesus Christ, you will go to hell. I promise you that. That's what I'm promising you through God's words. Look at verse 17. Then said Jeremiah to Zedekiah, Thus saith the Lord. You see that? That's God's words. He's just repeating what God's told him to do. That's what I'm trying to do. That's what all these other preachers are trying to do. The God of hosts, the God of Israel, if thou wilt... Assuredly go forth unto the king of Babylon's princes, then thy soul shall live, and this city shall not be burned with fire, and thou shalt live and thine house. But if thou will not, you see what this goes back to? It goes back to your will. See, God's words can be preached by God's preacher, but it goes back to your will. It goes back to what you're willing to do. Because see, our God, who is an amazing, amazing God, has given each, I don't care who you are in here, has given each one of y'all one of the most amazing gifts any God could give any creation He's created. And that gift He's given you is the gift of free will. He doesn't force you to love Him. He doesn't force you to obey Him. He gives you a free will to do what you want to do and how you want to do it. That's an amazing gift He's given you. And he gives this to Zedekiah, and he says, and there in verse 17, if thou wilt, and then in verse 18, but if thou wilt not. See, this is all going back to you. You don't have to receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior. You can go on to hell like you want to. You don't have to do that, but the hell is coming. See, I mean, that's God's word. God's saying, this is what's going to happen, but you don't have to do it. But I'm giving you a way out, but you don't have to follow me. Me, me and Brother George was talking about a man me and Brother George knows. It's like, there's so many roadblocks being put in front of this man, but he's just breaking down every one of these roadblocks, jumping over every one of these speed bumps, trying to get himself into hell. 
And there's people standing in his way trying to get him out of hell. And he don't want it. It's his free will, amen. God give you that free gift. It's amazing. You know, you got a free will away from your God, a free will away from your parents, a free will away from your husband and your wife. You can do what you want to do. And you can hurt your family by your free will or you can do some great things with your free will. But it's your free will. But God's got some promises and some truths that when you follow your free will, you will, this is what's going to happen. There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. But it's your free will to do it. There's laws of the universe that, if you, that one of the laws of the universe is gravity. And you've got a free will to jump off a cliff and you will fall. Unless you've got something to break that, that law of gravity, you will fall and plummet. But just like that law of gravity, it's called a law of sin and death. And the law of sin and death says, because you're a sinner, you're going to die, and God has to, because you're a sinner, put you into hell. But he's breaking that law with the gift of Jesus Christ. But that's your free will to receive that gift. You can reject that gift, or you can receive that gift. That's all up to you. I think that's a great thing God lets us do. But men, and some women, a lot of women, a lot of men, and some children, they just take this free gift and they just ignore it. And with their free will, they ignore God, ignore Jesus Christ, and there's a payday someday. Verse 19, excuse me, verse 19. And Zedekiah, the king, said unto Jeremiah, I am afraid of the Jews that are fallen to the Chaldeans, lest they deliver me into their hands, and they mock me. Isn't that an amazing thing? A king is afraid of his people. A king is afraid of his people. If a king can be afraid of his people, I'm here to tell you, you can be afraid of people. And that's one of our main faults, is we're afraid of people mocking us. See what he says? They'll mock me and make fun of us because we believe God's words. We believe in God's words and we're afraid people are going to mock us and what they're going to say about us. He's afraid of the people. Can I be so bold as to say this this morning? Why don't you just be a leader and not a follower? Why don't you be a leader and say, you know what? Nobody else is following me, but I'm going to step out for Jesus Christ. I believe what the words of God say, and I believe what that word, the words of God that that godly preacher is preaching. I'm going to step out by faith, and I believe it. Instead of waiting for somebody else to do it, why don't you be the first one to do it? I've seen people come down an aisle, accept Jesus Christ, and it ends up bringing the whole family. It's just one part of the family is waiting for somebody to make that decision. Amen. So and why don't you be the John Wayne and not the Gomer Pyle? <laughs> See, I think a John Wayne is a leader, is a tough man, is a man that's going to get it done. Amen. And y'all know how I feel about Gomer Pyle. A little fruity, got a lot of sugar in his tank. Be the John Wayne, don't be the Gomer Pyle. Be a leader, not a follower. Amen, Amen. we need more leaders. <laughs> Somebody was led to bring me out here. Thank God. Amen. Somebody was led to call me and bring, not knowing nothing about me, and bring me out here, and then we, here we go. Amen. But somebody took the lead. Somebody's got to take the step. And if, I don't know who's going, what's going on in your family or your workplace or, where you, or whoever's around you, but if you will take a step out for Jesus Christ, you'll be surprised who will start following you. They're just not courageous as you. They're not like the Ethiopian eunuch that can be brave and say, you know what, I believe God's words from God's preacher. But this king's not that Ethiopian eunuch. (laughs) Who's the leader in this story? The leader in this story is the Ethiopian eunuch. Guys, I would throw down my life for the Ethiopian eunuch. 
for the black slave, Brother Keegan, I would throw down my life for that black slave. That's a man worth following. That's got the courageous and the bravery to follow God's words and God's preaching. Anybody could follow God's preacher. Jeremiah, we all know he's the right one. But man, there's a leader to stand up before the king. The king's not anybody I want to be. I don't want to follow that king. He's a coward. He changes his mind. He lies. The Ethiopian eunuch is the hero of this story. You see that? Man, what an amazing thing. Look at verse 20. Verse 20, but Jeremiah said, They shall not deliver thee. Talking about the people. God is going to deliver you, not the people. You understand this? You're worried about, somebody, you're worried about what people think about you. You're worried about people mocking you. You don't need to be worried about people. Jesus Christ said all they can do is kill you. That's what Jesus said. They can kill me. Yeah, they can kill you. Jesus said, but don't be afraid of them that can only kill you, but can't do nothing to your soul. He said, be afraid of him who can kill you and throw you into hell. That's called God. You need to be afraid of God because he not only can kill you, take your, just, he can take your soul and throw it into hell. Amen. The only thing they can do to you is kill you. That's what Jesus said. Amen. We're so afraid of death. And God said, you don't need to be afraid of death. You need to be afraid of going to hell. Amen. But Jeremiah said, they shall not deliver thee. It'll be God that delivers you. Obey, I beseech thee, the voice of the Lord which I speak unto thee, so it shall be well unto thee, and thy soul shall live. Thy soul shall live. God's preachers beseech us so it will be well with us. God's preachers beseech us. I beseech thee, the voice of the Lord which I speak unto you, so it shall be well unto you. Guys, when guys get up here to preach, preachers get up here and preach God's words. They don't have your... They're not, they don't have some kind of evil intention towards you. They're beseeching you. They're beseeching you through God's words so to be well with you. Yes. Amen. Man, when you grab a hold of that and you have respect for these guys that get up here and preach and say, okay, if, if he's willing to be used by God, I want to hear what he has to say. You know, when a guy's willing to fly from Idaho, I want to hear what he has to say from God's words. If a guy's willing to fly from Michigan, when a guy's just willing to get up here, I don't care who it is. Because you think it's easy to get up here and preach. It's not easy to get up here and preach. Because I fall down all the time. When, you get, when you, somebody's willing to do that, I say, he's willing to beseech you. He's doing it your own well-being. When Jesus Christ tells us to forgive, which is the hardest thing for us to do, and to love our enemies, you just whatever one you want to put on that list. When he says forgive, that's not for the person you're forgiving is good. It's for your well-being. Because we all know as we get older in life that when, you don't, when you're not forgiving, you, that's, that's a cancer inside you. And you know what? There's been people that I had to learn to forgive. They didn't even know I was mad at them. And I had this cancer in me. Well, I, was, I don't like them. And they'd see me in Walmart. And, hey, hey, Keegan, how you doing? And I would try to hide from them. I don't want to talk to them. What's wrong with Keegan? Where's he going? It was me. The problem was me. And Jesus Christ says, you need to forgive. It's not for your enemies. It's not for them. It's for you. It's for you. He's beseeching you. Everything Jesus taught us is for our own good. Man, you got to grab a hold of that. So, hey, obey, I beseech thee. The voice of the Lord which I speak unto you. So it shall be well unto thee, and thy soul shall live. But if thou refuse to go forth, this is the word that the Lord has showed me. Here's the bad thing. There's good, but now here's the bad. 
And behold, all the women that are left in the king's house shall be brought forth to the king of Babylon's princes. And those women shall say, Thy friends have set thee on and have prevailed against thee. Thy feet are sunk in the mire and they are turned away back. So they, will, they shall bring out all thy wives and thy children to the Chaldeans. And thou shalt not escape out of their hand, but shall be taken by the hand of the king of Babylon. And thou shalt cause this city to be burned with fire. It all ends in fire. So the good news is Jesus Christ has paid you a way to get into heaven. And you just have to receive that free gift. You got a free will. You can choose it. Or re- you can choose it. You can obey it or you can refuse it. That's what he says. Obey, but if thou refuse. But the problem is if you refuse, here's the gimmick. Here's the, here's the end of it. If you refuse, you're going to go to hell without Jesus Christ. Amen. Without Jesus Christ, it's going to burn. Amen. No preacher likes to preach that. It's a hard thing to say, but it's the truth. And that's God's words, man. I mean, you, it's God's words. And you can be a Jehovah's Witness and you can try to take out everywhere there's hell in the Bible, but you're not going to get away with and get done with hell. You're not going to do away with hell. It's burning hot, man. It's burning hotter than it's ever burned. And it's growing larger. It's receiving people by the millions. And that's what hell's doing. And hell was never meant for me and you. It's prepared for the devil and his angels. But because we've been given this free will, we, and God's been giving us a way out, we choose to go there. How many people are going to be in hell like the rich man and want to send out missionaries? Oh, send them out and go tell my brothers not to come into this place. What Abraham said. Even if you was to raise somebody from the dead, they wouldn't believe. They got Jesus Christ, a resurrected Savior, they still won't believe. But if thou refuse, this is what's going to happen. You know what happens, guys? Turn to, uh, turn to chapter 39, verse 1. Let's close this up. Exactly what God's Word said it happened. There's no doubt about it. When God says it, it happens. That's why people say, why do you believe the Bible, Brother King? Prophecy. God says stuff out of that book and it came to pass. And you know what? I believe what he said. It hadn't come to pass. I believe it's going to come to pass. And if you stick with me in the book of Revelation, I'll show you some amazing things that have come to pass just since I've been teaching the book of Revelation that have took place in the last 20 years that are like, wow, that's prophecy coming to being fulfilled before your very eyes. You can turn on the TV and see it. It should make chill bumps run down your arms. Why? Because that means Jesus Christ is coming back really soon. Really soon. I'm, I'm happy about it. I can't wait to see him. But if you're sitting on here and you don't know Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you should be afraid. Man, it's, it's hell waiting on you. Look at verse 1. Exactly what God said happened, happened. In the ninth year of Zedekiah, this is chapter 39, verse 1. In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month came Nebuchadnezzar. That's, that's another way of saying Nebuchadnezzar. King of Babylon and all his army against Jerusalem, they besieged it. Uh-oh, here they come. And in the eleventh year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, the ninth day of the month, the city was broken up. They come in and start destroying the city. Skip down to verse 6. For time's sake, please skip down to verse 6. Then the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah and Riblah before his eyes. The king takes out Zedekiah and before his very eyes, he just kills all his kids, all his boys, just kills them. Can you imagine it? God had warned him. God had warned him. Also, the king of Babylon slew all the nobles of Judah. Started slaying all those men that were throwing Jeremiah in that dungeon. They all got killed right in front of Zedekiah. Look at verse 7. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes. After he kills all his sons, then he kills all those nobles, then he puts out Zedekiah's eyes. God warned him. God warned him. Y'all read it with me. God warned him twice that we read. 
Obey, I beseech thee. Obey, please obey. And he wouldn't obey. Verse 8, and the Chaldeans burned. And verse 7 says, and after they put out his eyes, they bound him with chains and carried him to Babylon. And the Chaldeans, verse 8, burned the king's house and the house of the people with fire and break down the walls of Jerusalem. He destroyed Jerusalem right there. God had warned them. And they wouldn't listen. There's a warning going out to America and to the whole world. It's going to burn. It's going to burn. But the preachers preach good news that there's Jesus Christ to save the world. And it, it don't matter if you're an Ethiopian eunuch or you're a Jew or if you're a Spanish or if you're a Caucasian. I don't care who you are. You can receive Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior. That's Amen. good news. And that's what every preacher should be preaching. There's good news in Jesus Christ. But there's, on the, there's always a flip side to every coin. See, you can't have love without hate. So you see, yeah, there's good news, but the bad news is if you refuse, you're going to burn. You're going to burn in the devil's hell. That's just, that's just God's words. And you see it come to pass. But you know something I know about God? He takes care of His preachers. Look down at verse 11. God takes care of preachers. I mean, I know some of these preachers, they, they live so long and, you know, so... God takes care of preachers. I've seen it. He took care of me. I tell preachers all the time, I tell people all the time, God's the best boss I ever had. Amen. Man, Jesus Christ, I don't deserve it. And he takes care of me. He takes, look at verse 11. Now Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, gave charge concerning Jeremiah to Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, saying, hey, take care of him. Nebuchadnezzar says to, about Jeremiah, take care of him and look well to him and do him no harm, but do unto him even as he shall say unto thee. He makes sure that Jeremiah is took care of. God through through Nebuchadnezzar, takes care of his preacher. Makes sure he's took care of. So the end of verse 14 says, He dwelt among his people, among the people. Jeremiah got to stay alive. He got to stay back in Jerusalem. He got to stay back in that area, and he got to just dwell with them. What a blessing. He didn't get killed. You know something else I know about God? He not only takes care of God's preachers, he takes care of those people that believe in God's words that were preached from God's preachers. Look at verse 15. You don't believe me? Look at verse 15. Now the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison saying, Hey, God says, Jeremiah, go and speak unto Ebek-Melech, the Ethiopian, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel. Behold, I will bring my words upon this city for evil and not for good, and they shall be, they shall be accomplished in that day before thee. He says, Ebed Melech, you're going to see this come to pass, brother. You're going to see all this, you're going to see this city fall, just like I said it. But look at verse 17. Oh, man. But I will deliver thee in that day, saith the Lord. And thou shalt not be given unto the hand of the men of whom thou art afraid, for I will surely deliver thee. Thou shalt not fall by the sword. But thy life shall be for a prey unto thee. Why? Because thou hast put thy trust in me, saith the Lord. Amen. You're just a simple old guy that believes what the preacher's preaching through God's words. He says, you're putting your trust in God's word. He says, I'm going to take care of you. Because you believed and trusted in me. A lot of us are in here this morning because we put our trust in what a preacher was preaching out of God's words. 
Praise God. We had godly preachers. We need more godly preachers. Amen. And I run into my old preacher that I got saved under, and he's old Rick, wicked sinner. <laughs> wicked as all get out. He's a man. And I run into him, and uh, you go around Brownwood, everybody has something bad to say about him. But I love that old man. You know why I love that old man? Because he loves God. Amen. And that old man had enough guts to stand up and say, Keegan, without Jesus Christ, you're going to hell. Amen. And I received Jesus Christ under that old man, and he'll always be my pastor. Amen. He'll always be my pastor. And if he came in here, I would bow down and say, Brother Packer, whatever you want to say, whatever you do, I, just, I respect him and love him. Because he had the guts to preach God's words. Amen. And I was just silly enough to trust in the Lord. Amen. And God said, If you'll trust in me, because thou hast put thy trust in me, saith the Lord. Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you for your words. Lord, thank you for men you've raised up to preach your words, Lord God. And Father, we know this jubilee's coming up this coming weekend. Lord God, I ask you to give these men the words you want them to preach, Father. Give us a heart to receive what we need to hear from the Lord. I know we need revival. I know I need revival in my heart, in my life, Lord God, and I want you to move in my life, Lord God. I want to get on fire for you again. Lord, I want to hand out as many tracts as I can get into my hands. Lord, I want to tell everybody I know about Jesus Christ. Lord, get me on fire for you. Lord, I know we're kind of drying up, Lord God. We need you to move. We need that river to flow, Lord God. We need your Holy Spirit to move through us. Lord, we, need to, we know the days are short, Lord God. And we're just putting our trust in your words that you're coming soon. And Lord God, we're going to be out working for you. Lord, be with these men that are coming in here to preach, Lord God, and preach your words. And Lord God, I ask you to bless each and every one of them. And bless any preacher this morning, Lord God, that's standing up right now preaching your Son, Jesus Christ, crucified and resurrected and glorified, Lord God. I ask you to bless them. Father, if there's somebody that needs the sound of my voice, Lord God, that needs to come on down here to get on the prayer altar, Lord God, speak to the heart right now. Lord God, as we give this invitation, they'll do what they need to do. And if they don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, they'll come down here and talk to me, Lord God, and we'll get your word open and we'll get them saved. But Lord God, I ask you to speak to the heart, Lord God. We thank you for loving us and putting up with us. I'm praying this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting your care upon him